You may have heard that most people who are black have O blood type. O is commonly needed for emergencies. But did you know one in three of us is a match for patients with sickle cell disease? Regardless of blood type, every day our blood saves lives and eases the pain of those living with sickle cell. Donate blood at Red Cross to help us save a life. Black excellence is in our blood. Visit redcrossblood.org slash ourblood to make an appointment now. Okay, real talk. When did paying someone back become social media? What do you mean? Let's say I'm trying to lurk on you. You know, see what you're doing and who you're doing it with. I can stalk your pay app and find out what you're doing. Oh, yeah, that's, that's kind of weird. You do that? Not anymore. <laughs> I use Apple Cash. It's built into your iPhone, easy and secure. You can send and receive money right in messages. So no public feeds. And the money is immediately available to use with Apple Pay. Babe, did you just send me a dollar on Apple Cash? I just said our cash isn't content. Shh. <laughs> Services are provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Terms apply. Yo, real talk. Religion still trips me out. Deadass. 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 I can agree. Um, but part of me wonders, is it really just all about the religion aspect of things? Or is it about that personal connection that you have with the good Lord? Hey, I'm Kadeen. And I'm DeVal. And we're the Ellises. You may know us from posting funny videos with our boys. And reading each other publicly as a form of therapy. Wait, I make you need therapy? Most days. Wow. <laughs> oh, and one more important thing to mention. We're married. Yes, sir, we mm-hmm. are. We created this podcast to open dialogue about some of life's most taboo topics. Things most folks don't want to talk about. Through the lens of a millennial married couple. Deadass is a term that we say every day. So when we say deadass, we're actually saying facts. 100. The truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. <laughs> we about to take Pillow Talk to a whole new level. Deadass starts right now. This story time is going to take me back to Brooklyn, circa 1991. Wow. I remember saying my prayers. I was no matter of fact, circa 1990, circa 1990. I was saying my prayers, and I remember thinking to myself, "Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take." And I remember thinking, "That's some scary shit." <laughs> like at six, <laughs> and I remember thinking, "Like, am I gonna die in my sleep?" Uh huh. I've been there. And then I remember going to church and just having like a whole bunch of questions. Mm-hmm. And nobody ever answering any of my questions <laughs> and being offended if I ever asked questions. Mm. And then I just remember being very fearful every time I went into church mm-hmm. or every time I had to like think about God. Or Jesus. It just seemed like this looming presence over me that just had me like in so much fear. And the fear was always death. Like, you know, you do something wrong, then you just might die out of nowhere and go to hell. <laughs> and that's that's how I grew up thinking about my relationship with God. It was tough. I can relate. 
karaoke. Karaoke time. This is going to take time. us back to Jefferson City, Tennessee. Oh. Circa 1990. Oh, again. 19, we in the 90s. So people who follow Heavy. us on Instagram and, and YouTube, you'll know this song. It's one of the kids' favorites. Oh, I think I know what it is. We might have been singing this last night. We are Lyman Jacob's Ladder. We are climbing Jacob's ladder. We are climbing Jacob's ladder, soldier of the cross. We are. Yo, Martha Davis Baptist Church, they used to sing that song. Was that, that like was a staple? My, it was one of my favorite songs to sing. Miss Agnes would be on the piano. <laughs> the deacons would be singing. They have their deep voice. We are <laughs> It was like one of my favorite songs of my day. I just want to know real quick. Is, are there any other lyrics to the song or is that just it? I don't know. <laughs> I just know that they kept saying that part of the song. And we would just be singing along with them. We are. And I know your pop will be proud to know that that yes. song has been sung to his great grandsons. R.I.P. Charles Edward Ellis. It's my guy. He loved pop. I miss him. Yes. he was. He he uh, christened Cass for us. Yes, that was such a special. Very moment. big on 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 religion and, and family, and family and faith. Mm-hmm. Yes, he was the patriarch that I grew up watching my mm-hmm. entire life until he passed, and now my father's a patriarch. What a good man. Yes, love it. Uh, all right, let's take a quick break. Let's handle some ads, and then we'll be right back. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Listen, y'all, losing two loved ones in a matter of six months, it can be a lot. And a lot of times when you're dealing with grief, you have a lot to get off your chest with your family. That's absolutely right. You know, people carry around all different types of stresses, big and small. When you keep them bottled up, it can start to affect you negatively. And therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to kind of figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. If you're thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Deadass today to get 10% off your first visit. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Deadass. Hey, what's good, y'all? I think it's important for you to understand why black representation in media is important. It's important because the media represents how people view us. And it's important that they understand that black people are not a monolithic people. That is a fact. And the next generation of influential black voices can be found on NPR's new collection, Black Stories, Black Truth. Black Stories, Black Truth is a celebration of blackness from NPR. Each of NPR's black voices are as distinct, varied, and nuanced as the black experience itself. Every episode is a living account about what it means to be black today, told from a unique black perspective. From Bobby Schmurter to The Wire, Michelle Obama to Reparations, there's no limit to the range of black stories, black truths. Black perspectives haven't always been centered in the telling of America's story. Now they are the story. 
In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection of some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the Black experience. Listen now to Black Stories, Black Truths from NPR wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, real talk. When did paying someone back become social media? What do you mean? Let's say I'm trying to lurk on you. You know, see what you're doing and who you're doing it with. I can stalk your pay app and find out what you're doing. Oh, yeah, that's, that's kind of weird. You do that? Not anymore. <laughs> I use Apple Cash. It's built into your iPhone, easy and secure. You can send and receive money right in messages. So no public feeds. And the money is immediately available to use with Apple Pay. Babe, did you just send me a dollar on Apple Cash? I just said our cash isn't content. Shh. <laughs> Services are provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Terms apply. All right, ladies, let's be real. Who here actually enjoys shaving their legs? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought so. And get this. Near, yes, Near, the OG that I used for years, has now leveled up. And they have these new sensational shower creams and body creams that smell amazing. My personal favorite, coconut oil and vitamin E because it's gentle on my skin. And down to the body cream, rich cocoa butter and vitamin E body cream, which is a modern take on indulgent and classic femininity. Okay? It works in as little as three minutes, no nicks, no cuts, and the smooth skin lasts days longer than shaving. Nair's new sensational shower and body creams are free of all those nasty chemicals so you can feel good about what you're putting on your skin. Have a me-time moment with Nair, the number one hair removal brand. Smell for yourself. Try the reformulated Nair body and shower creams available at retailers nationwide and online. All right. We have a special guest today, someone who is a new author and mm-hmm. I'm super proud of. Um, and when talking about, you know, topics for this season and what we wanted to kind of encompass coming out of our whole pregnancy stint and stuff, we wanted to touch on a couple of different things. Um, and when we think about faith and religion, that's always a topic that I feel like we can always learn more about. Um, learning from other people's experiences and see how God shows up in this podcast for us and for everyone else. So today we have with us Christina Price, who happens to be a dear friend of ours. Um, and I think it'll be better if Christina introduces herself because I don't want to leave any of her, you know, hats out because you wear many hats, Christina. <laughs> <laughs> but first and foremost, um, a dear friend of ours, and you can take it away and just tell everybody a little bit about who you are. Yeah. Hey, guys. Uh, first of all, thank you for having me on. I am so honored and blessed to be a part of your uh, podcast today. But I am Christina Price. I am a believer of Jesus Christ. I'm a mom. I'm a career woman working in corporate America for the past over 16 years in HR operations. Um, I'm a sister, I'm a friend, and just as you said, the latest title that I could add to my array of things is an author. I just wow. published and shared Congrats. my first book. Thank you um, this past year, and it's, it's been good. That's good. Deval and I have embarked on our book journey as well, too, and that's no easy task. No, it's not. No easy <gasps> task. And I remember when you reached out to me and you said, you know what, I think that I'm being called to document this process and to share it with people in some capacity. So you were talking to me about like a book and I was just really admired by your drive and like 
you really saying this is something I want to do and finding your own way to do it. And before I knew it, you had a book, then you had <laughs> Audible, and I was yeah. like, wait a second, yeah. who is this person? And it's never doubt. It was just that, you know, sometimes people talk about things they want to do, throw yeah. it out there, but I'm happy to see it come into fruition. So I have a copy here, of course, um, Saved by Choice. Um, so yeah, Christina, mother, career woman, sister, friend, author, her book Saved by Choice is a devotional memoir detailing her experience in developing a relationship with Christ. Uh, she grew up in a Hindu household and was introduced to Christianity as a teenager. And after falling off of, or away from faith for a while, uh, she wrote Saved by Choice to reconnect to God or as she reconnected to God. So Christina's faith is empowered by her freedom of choice, which she encourages others to exercise as well uh, on a day-to-day basis. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Um, so, Christina, let's dive right in. Mm-hmm. Uh, did you have any questions you wanted to start out with, babe? Or should we just have her tell us about this journey she was on? No, I do have a, a question. What made you go from Hinduism to Christianity? Um, I think the, the, the probably the overarching factor had to be relationship. So growing up Hindu, so I'm from a Caribbean family, um, there was a lot of rituals and a lot of traditions and a, a total language that I didn't understand. So it was a huge disconnect to follow something that I didn't understand. You know, I feel like right. the generation, you know, we're, we're millennials, we're, we're Americans, we have a lot of questions. We want to understand the why and, and the how and, and right. to make a connection to things. And when I would ask, you know, I would get ostracized just for asking a question. I remember that. <laughs> um, and sometimes my parents or the people around me, they didn't even know the answer. It was just such tradition that was passed on from generation to generation. Right. And it's just, this is how our parents did it. So we continue to do it. And I couldn't sign up to that. Like, I needed to understand what I was praying to, how I was praying, what I was saying, and what it meant ultimately. So Hinduism, that disconnect of also understanding the, um, the idols that they would worship to, Right. It was a bit um, off-putting to me. It just didn't look mm-hmm. anything that was safe or, you know, something that I would even want to um, mm-hmm. worship to. So, mm-hmm. so for me, when I was introduced to Christianity, it, actually by my mom, who was Hindu, and she converted to Christianity, um, it was understanding who Jesus was and building that relationship. So it was more so taking away from the rituals of doing this to be blessed versus you know, making a connection with someone to understand what love is for myself to then be able to transcend that to others. So I would definitely uh-huh. say it's the relationship. Mm, very good. So I said we can all relate in that sense that we had some sort of uh, disconnect or just kind of fear or an uneasy feeling about the traditions of mm-hmm. uh, religion. So I know for me, growing up seven-day Adventist, I was always wondering, you know, why I couldn't wear pants to church. Like that was just something mm-hmm. to me that was just so, in the time, minuscule. And I'm, st- I'm like, okay, so God is going to feel a way if I came to church wearing this pants suit. <laughs> right. You know, like, is it really something that I should be cast out for or wearing earrings? You know, it was something where in the morning, if I'm coming downstairs, my grandmother's like, take off your earrings. You can't wear those to church. And I'm like, why can't I show up as I am? <laughs> what, you know? Right. And it was more about... Right. Um, the other human beings in the building versus what God was really thinking of me showing up. And they would say, come as you are. But if you did come as you were, 
then you yeah. were prepared to be looked at sideways. Right. right. You know, did you have that experience, babe? Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> well, I, I may not say that this episode. <laughs> Evans, yeah. Evans, yeah. Like, <clears throat> there was a connection with church and me. That connection was fear. Mm. You know, like everything through church just seemed painful. We went to Bethlehem Baptist Academy. They used to beat us there. Yeah. You know, like it just seemed like everything was very controlling. Um, they didn't appreciate or like free thinkers, mm. uh, people who asked questions or people who bucked against the system. For example, even at our church, where we grew up Salem Missionary Baptist Church. Mm-hmm. We sung Come As You Are every time we asked people to come to the altar. But... Women were not allowed to wear pants. You know, you were oh, supposed to. Oh, that was something to, in your church, too? In our church as well, too, oh, yeah. They, well, it was just an adventure They thing. would say they preferred. It oh. was never a not allowed, but women that wore pants, there was always that undertone if there were women wearing pants. Mm-hmm. When, when the pastor got up to speak, he would make mentions of women wearing pants. Or if they cut their hair, it's a woman's hair is her crown. And um, even with men, you know, if you didn't wear a jacket to church, if you just wore a sweater and you, you know, or just wore a shirt with a tie, you know, it was always spoke about like men should wear jackets. So it wasn't even just the rules on women. It was just rules on attire mm. in general. And I was just like, yeah, I'm not feeling this. Did your mom take you to Hindu? Uh, I guess, where is it? Is it a temple or yep. what did that look like for you? Yeah, it's called a mandir. And she totally did. And it's the same thing. You know, it, I felt like it was a fashion show. You kind of walk in to see who had the latest saris or who had the latest outfits. Um, right. And I, I felt it was hypocritical because it's the same thing. You're walking in. People are looking at what you're wearing, probably judging you for what you're doing, who you are in your life, and totally taking the attention off of God and putting it on other people which is not right. where the focus should be. So I do think that that deters, I know that that deters people from religion because we're a judgmental society. Like we just look at people right. and want to judge based on their actions or their appearances and not look on in the inner man, which is what we should be doing. And it's unfortunate because that, I do believe it causes that church hurt um, mm-hmm. that make people just shy away from the whole religion and God in general. What, what trips me out is that and I've heard one pastor say to me, you know, you shouldn't judge people who come to church because if you go to a hospital to get fixed, everybody in the hospital it's is sick. broken. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. So everyone is sick. So when you go to church, don't go to church looking for perfect people mm-hmm. because then you're just as guilty as the people who are doing the judging. Get out my but, head. I was going to say something similar. It's about the gym, too. Right. Like, right. oh, you don't make right. people in the gym because right. they're trying to get their body back in order. So. But, but my thing is. When the leaders of the church are the ones responsible for shaming people who are sick for coming into the church, that to me is a problem. Mm-hmm. You know, every church is about leadership. And even the Bible, it says three fourths of the churches are going to do it wrong when they try to do, you know, church. Mm-hmm. You know, it's going to be done wrong, which means the vast majority of the churches we see are messed up. Mm-hmm. So, how do you know you're at the right church? You know, and not only if it being controlling, but it's also a huge business. Church is a huge business in America. All these mega churches with a bunch of money and private jets and big arenas just seems like a huge show, you know, and, and the connection is the most important part, but it's hard to practice your religion when the religion is encompasses everything else outside that's so worldly. For you know? sure. Do you know what influenced your mom? To go from Hinduism to Christianity, did she ever hmm. tell you why? That is a great question. You know, I don't know. 
I, I would mm-hmm. I would I would think it's her friends because I know that she had a lot of friends that were around her that probably uh, that definitely introduced it. But I don't know what that turning factor was because she converted maybe about three four years right before she passed away. So it was like I feel like mm-hmm. it was like a pretty quick timeline of it all. Mm-hmm. What was that uh, experience like for you uh, transitioning from Hindu to Christianity? And did you ever feel any kind of guilt or confusion or uh, that you were maybe in turn shaming some of your family? for stepping out because I know you did mention in your book um, that you were on this, uh, this path or this journey. And you said most of your family and friends were just like, Oh no, Christina just drank this proverbial Kool-Aid as you put it. <laughs> Look at and the smile. She's Look at just the like, smile. They're just like, they're not understanding what's yeah. going on here. Honestly, they still don't know what to do with me or where to put me. Um, <laughs> it, and I, I, I know where to put you. Friend. It's okay. You stay right where you at. But it's, it's, it's okay because, well, the first part of that question, did I feel any guilt? No, I've never felt any guilt because I felt once I made this choice and it felt, it gave me peace, I knew it was the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. Um, now, operating in an in a environment that hasn't changed but you've changed is very unique because I know that they're now looking to me to see how I represent myself as a Christian. And I also know what prejudice feels like. I know what it feels like to be judged. And I'm not trying to portray that on them because their views are different from me. So I'm not more focused on them. I'm focused on myself. Like, how do I represent Mm -hmm. myself to represent Christ in a way that is appealing to them? Because at the end Mm -hmm. of the day, I want them all to be saved as well. But if I'm over here calling them, you know, just throwing the Bible at their faces every day and and judging them for all that they're doing, it's not going to encourage them or show them a different path. So mm-hmm. it's, it's pretty hard um, to operate in this space of just being the only Christian because they're, they're still Hindu, um, but I don't, I don't judge. I don't um, make them feel any different, and I just try to love them in the best way that I can that, again, shows Christ through my behavior and my actions. Mm, that's, a good, that's a good strategy. How do you work to, or not work to, but how do you, I guess, encourage them to maybe seek God in their own way or their own path? Like, do you have things that you do or you try to include them somehow? Maybe it's inviting them to church. Oh, or? yeah. I think I invite them every week to come to church. It's now to, to a point where they don't even respond to me. I'm about to say, they're not, <laughs> if they're Hindu, they're not going to they're, a, a as, Christian as, church. As much as they love me, they're, they're just not going to do it. And look, yeah. I, look, I get it because everybody has to come at everything at their own time. Like, I can't force you to want something in, in the time that I want. But I'm not going to stop. It's not going to stop me from inviting you. It's not going to stop me from praying for you. It's not going to stop me from, from loving you in a way that I, I can do so with the peace that I have to give. So it's, I guess what I'm trying to say, I just don't stop. And I don't take it personal if they don't want to come either. Like, I know it's not so a knock. I have a question. This is my belief. Okay. All right. I believe that God exists. But I also believe that God shows himself in many forms so i do also believe that you can find god through hinduism through christianity through islam through judaism i feel like you can find god in different types of religions Mm -hmm. you know what i'm saying i don't think that you have to choose one because if you think about it if you have to choose one whichever one you choose you feel like every other religion is going to hell that to me does not seem very godlike you know what i'm saying what what are your thoughts on that chris well as a christian 
to get to heaven is it it is believing that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And right. I agree that everyone has their different truths and they believe that their truth is the right truth. Um but it's 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 hard to it would be blasphemous for me to say as a as a Christian to say that the views of Hind, of Islam or Hinduism is is right because that's not my truth. So right. I just feel it it's going to be dependent on what you choose to learn and what you choose to accept. So same thing with the you know with the book it's like although we're saved by grace like I really highlight your choices in every aspect of the matter because your choices is what leads to your behaviors and ultimately leads right. to, to where you're going to be. So it's it's really going to be a personal choice for you as to what you believe your truth is and how you will get there and how you see God. So as a Christian, again, for me, it's through Jesus. That's how we get to heaven. That's how we're saved. And this the reason why I ask that is because I feel like through the practices of Christianity or Hinduism, it's how you make the right choices in life, mm-hmm. right? If you practice discipline, mm-hmm. uh, if you uh, practice being a cheerful giver, these are things that religion tries to teach people mm-hmm. how to constantly make good conscious choices with, with God in mind. Right. right? And um, others. We had uh, a cousin that told us God to him just meant good orderly direction, which means that you didn't necessarily have to pick mm. with religion, but if you use the direction passed down through prophets from God, you'll always be on the right path. Mm-hmm. And not for nothing, that made me feel the most comfortable because I personally don't want to have to feel like I have to condemn other people in order for me to go to heaven. Mm-hmm. You know, like that was one of the biggest questions I had as a young man because my godmother was Puerto Rican. Mm-hmm. She was Catholic. We grew up Baptist. Mm-hmm. There's completely different traditional beliefs in Catholicism and in Baptist, uh, Baptist religion. And I felt like, so realistically, if I'm Baptist, I would have to believe that Catholics are going to hell. Mm-hmm. Or if I was Catholic, I would have to believe that Baptists are going to hell because we don't do confession, which to me oh. just seemed like a practice created by man. Right. And also thinking that I know so many amazing people who are Jews. Right. Or we know right. some amazing Muslim people. So right. like those people who are, as we know, to be really amazing, right. good human beings, are I they really condemned right. to I can't hell see their because souls we don't agree on being lost. Right. Because they were introduced to God a certain way. Mm-hmm. You know what like for example, what if you were introduced to God through Hinduism your whole life mm-hmm. and you just practiced every single thing to be the best Hindu person that you could be? I just can't foresee God saying you go to hell because you didn't find Jesus. You did it the wrong way. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And the same thing for Christianity. Mm-hmm. I can't see someone who follows Christianity the best they can and follows the practices and really lived with good orderly direction, being told, now nah, you're going to hell to that, because you didn't do it through Hinduism. To, the, to that point, but do you also think it can be based on their exposure? Because we're, we're raised and we're grown to... Absolutely. Yeah, to adapt to, you know, what we know. So, and, and of course, to your point earlier about, you know, a lot of these traditions are man-made. They definitely are. And they kind of get away from, from what, who God is, which is just being of love and sharing love and loving one another. Um, but that, that exposure, I think it also leads to people's train of thought. So just kind of tying it back to what you said, it's like, do you think that 
although we we know of all these good Jew people, all these good uh, Islam people, all everything, it's just based on everyone's exposure at their time of their life and where they are in the world. So it's yes. just it's mm-hmm. just it's just so hard to kind of say. I guess what I'm trying to say it's it's not that it's not my place to condemn anyone because my belief is right. different from theirs. That's that's not where I'm coming at, and that's not where right. I where my religion where I see God to be. So I I totally hear your aspect of it, but I just kind of want to put that spin on the exposure part of it too, because depending on where people are and who they are in their lives, it's just they believe in different things. No, and and I agree with you on that mm-hmm. because the exposure is is how you practice your walk with God right yeah you know if you find God in a certain way or a certain region of the world you may not be introduced to different religions you're introduced to that particular mm-hmm. religion mm-hmm. but um that goes to what our theme for this season has been so far and the theme has been to not shame people mm-hmm. who live differently than you mm-hmm. regardless of what their sexual orientation is their religious beliefs their financial uh decisions are mm-hmm. how about we learn to Listen to people who think differently from us. Try to understand their perspective. Mm-hmm. And you don't even have to agree, but let's agree not to shame them. Agree. You know, and for me, that would help a lot of people when it comes to religion. Because religion, not so much spirituality, because there is a difference, but mm-hmm. religion is big on shaming. Mm-hmm. You know, was, when I was growing up, it was a lot of finger pointing. Don't, don't, don't. Mm-hmm. You know, it was always just don't, don't, or you better do this. Oh, you're going to hell. Right. You know, that was just, that's what turned me off to religion. And a lot of people, when they write in, they ask us about the kids. And this is what I want to ask you. Mm-hmm. Um, they said, what are you going to introduce to your children? Because you grew up Seventh-day Adventist. Yeah. I grew up Baptist. How are we going to introduce God religion to religion, them? Yeah. And under what circumstance? And a lot of times I'm like, shoot, I don't, I don't even really know. That's I'm afraid that we still struggle with. Um, I think, and you know, we have the children saying grace over their food and we have them saying their prayers at night and things like that. Um, but I remember talking to Cairo and we were saying grace and he was like, you know, why, why do we say grace? Cause you know, our five-year-old Cairo is <laughs> very intuitive and he's right. been here before us. So he wants to <laughs> right. know exactly why we're doing what we're doing because I don't know if it coincides with his past life. But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> he was literally like, so, so why are we, so I said, well, we're thanking God for the food that we have because some people don't have food. Um, they don't have a restaurant to go to. Cause this is actually when we were on our date together um and everything and he was like kind of processing it and i could see the little wheels in his head turning and in that moment i was wondering like am i doing him a disservice by not having a better answer or you know being able to give him a little bit more direction or should he be in sunday school or sabbath school you know so uh in piggybacking off of deval's question what do you think about that chris yeah, so my kids, I think, have seen the transformation in me probably more closely than anybody. Um, so mm-hmm. they're teenagers now. To well, I, I guess when I when I recommitted and and I really started to submit myself to God, they were early teens. So it's to an age where they're a little bit older than Cairo, where they can you know they can process things a little bit more, and then they're also coming into their own, wanting to make their own decisions. So I realized that I couldn't just, again, just shove the Bible down their throat and make them, you know, want to believe into something that I say is okay, even though I'm their mom. This has to be a personal decision for themselves because ultimately it's, it's, it's how they're going to choose to live their life. So 
you know, I'm under the accord that I don't want the world to teach them how to live. Like, right. I feel like they should be grounded. They should have a foundation before they head out into the world because they're going to they're gonna be hit with so many different, you know, societal pressures, mm -hmm. opinions, all of these different things. So I just wanted to have a foundation that they can always come back to. That's my hope, you know. The Bible says, raise up a child in the way that you want so when he's older he won't depart. So that's, that's my, that was my goal. And I knew, again, I couldn't do it by just, like, sit down. Like, I tried. I was like, every day we're going to sit down and we're going to read a chapter of the Bible. And it was like talking to the yeah. wall. Like, nobody's, yeah. nobody's <laughs> listening to me. Like, it was just painful. So mm -hmm. I kind of had to just take a step back and just say, you know what? They're going to see it through me. Like, they're going to see it through my actions. They're going to see how I, how, you know, if I'm going to speak it, I have to live it. So how right. am I interacting with other people? How am I interacting with their father who, you know, he and I had a really contentious relationship so they could see, like, God working through me to try to show more love. How am I helping my community? How am I, how am I being to them, you know, like, you know, between my, right. my stress and my patience level? And let them make their own decision. And sure enough, you know, of course I prayed for it, too. Like, I, I pray for everything. So just praying on that, I, think, I, I know that they saw the difference, and it was something that they, de they decided to kind of also follow. So they mm -hmm. chose they chose God, and, and, you know, last year they were baptized. And it, it just warms my heart because, again, it's just always something for them to fall back on. And as they go through life, like, it's not saying that because you're a Christian you're not going to go through any hard times. No, not at all. It's just knowing that you have something to always fall back on and someone who is always with you. So that was my goal with them. You mentioned or you touched on their relation or your relationship rather with their dad who you're now divorced. Um, and I know that in that there was, you know, you trying to also find yourself now, Christina, single woman again, divorced and all that. And that was a process in itself. So would you say that that was one of the major turning points in your life that made you feel like you wanted to now change or seek Christ? I noticed that a lot of people go through some sort of um, either trauma or events or some sort of um, experience where they feel like they need to fall back on something or lean on something. And was that the main driving force for you to really um, strengthen this relationship or find this relationship with yeah. God? Yeah, totally. Um Right before this, I was listening to a, a sermon by Tony Evans, and he said, your greatest ministries are through your greatest miseries. And mm -hmm. I, like, I, I thought of my divorce mm -hmm. immediately because that was something. So aside from my mom dying, like that, my divorce was the second biggest death in my life. Like It was something that, of course, I didn't want, but it just impacted me in ways that I didn't respect the weight at that time because life happens mm -hmm. and you kind of just keep moving. You got you to gotta just survive. So you don't really take time to heal or take time to understand the feelings that you're going through. So around the time where I really resubmitted was after the divorce where I just kind of hit rock bottom. Like anxiety was just like gripping me. I was depressed. I was blaming everybody. Like I was the victim. It, everybody right. was the problem. Not me. Everybody else was the, everybody else was the problem. And I just couldn't keep running like that. Um, and now becoming a newly single mom, having a co-parent with someone I just didn't like. It's like, how do I even operate in a space right. where, you know, it's just so new to me 
my, my peers, no one else is going through this situation. So I feel like I'm kind of spearheading all of this, nowhere to run or turn to. So it did lead me back to God to kind of say, you know what, I can't do this by myself. Like, I can't do this on my own. Just help me. Show me how to maneuver, how to guide, and, and just how to guide through all of this. So, yeah, I would definitely say that. You know, it's funny to hear you talk about that. I use spirituality as my way to understand that I'm not going to understand or be able to control everything. Mm. You know, some people go to therapy because, like, I need to fix all my problems and figure out all the everything in my life. Mm-hmm. Spirituality taught me that you don't even have the capability mm-hmm. to understand or fix everything in your life. And that's okay. Yeah. You know, sometimes it's okay to close your eyes, meditate, let things go, and let God handle it. Mm-hmm. You know, he'll give you the strength to control the things you can, but the, the things you can't control, you need to let that go and let God handle that. Mm-hmm. Spirituality taught me how to handle that. Because before I found my place of peace, I was trying to control every aspect of my life. And I felt a lot like you. I felt like I can't control this. My kids don't listen. Me and my wife always arguing. Me and my friends don't get along. I'm not where I want to be in my career right now. And I was just like, why? I'm doing everything that I'm supposed to do. Mm -hmm. And it almost hit me like a light bulb. You know, you can't control every aspect of your life. Mm -hmm. And the more you try, yeah, the more lost you are. And that pressure you put on yourself to control it, it starts to mount. And you can't get from underneath that pressure. And that's where the depression comes from. So mm. that's how spirituality helped me. So I could definitely relate to what Chris talked about there. Yeah, for sure. So tell us about the book, Christina, Save by Choice. Um, what is that choice that you believe we all have to make? And how can we dive into your book and learn a little bit more about that yeah. journey? Yeah, so, you know, the book is really a guide Again, it, it centers around Christianity. So it shows, um, it talks about God's love. It talks about worship. It talks about understanding your identity. Um, and the choice behind that is that you, you have to make the choice to want to accept these things. You have to make the choice to want to accept Jesus Christ into your heart. You have to make the choice to want to accept God's love into your heart. I feel like a lot of times we... Um, we underestimate the power of choice because we kind of just let life happen to us. And we just like to take things as they come, um, but don't realize that we have that power to choose right or wrong. Um, So I really wanted to reinforce that even through all the fundamentals of understanding who God is, understanding who Jesus is, and using my experiences to to share um, so that people can relate to it, I wanted to highlight the choice in that, to put it back to the reader to say, okay, well, today, as you hear this information, what will the choice be for you to do to mm. better yourself? Um, and it's something. So there's an action plan. Right. That but, people are putting into place. I know. And it's like, you guys talk about this all the time. It's just like, we can't be lazy. Like, we, can't, we have to put the work to want to better ourselves to then better the people around us. And not allowing ourselves to be that victim. And I'm not saying that traumatic things don't happen in life. They absolutely do. Um, But at some point, we all have to want to just be an active participant in our life and just not allow things to happen to us. So that is really just what I wanted to drive home in the book and just, you know, again, sharing my experiences about God, talking about him, but then really turning it back to the reader to say, okay, 
what you going to do? Like, what's your choice going to be in, in all of these matters? Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Because at no point when I was growing up, or maybe I was just too young to understand, because I ain't going to lie, you sit in a Baptist church and the, the preacher gives a bit of talk for an hour. It's just words. Oh, in an Adventist church, it's two hours of words <laughs> flying over your head. <laughs> but the idea that the choice is yours and you have to be deliberate about choosing God doesn't sound like fear. No. Mm-hmm. But growing up, all I ever heard or thought about was fear. Yes. As opposed to a choice. You know, and then they preach to us that God is love. God is love. God is love. But if you don't listen, you go to die, go to hell. <laughs> to me, you know what I'm saying? It's just like, okay. I think the title of the book is so appropriate, Saved by Choice. Like right. Knowing that this is a deliberate choice that you have to make. And then, yeah. like you said in the book, Christina, being obedient to the word in your practice and how you, you move through life, you know? Right. But yeah, I can agree, I can agree with that, babe. <laughs> that was a lot. Right. That was a lot. But this sounds like a good a good way to even introduce it to your teenagers. Yeah. You know, um, I personally feel like kids may be too young to ever understand the power of God okay. or even the power of choice. So trying to explain the principles associated with religion to a five or six-year-old mm-hmm. is going to lead any five or six-year-old to feel like fear is the only thing I'm getting here. Right. You know, Tyra more so looked at me, looked at me confused. Like, mm-hmm. all right, I'm going to listen to you because you're mom. And I'm <laughs> right. Right. Food. Right. But I still don't know why I'm doing it. No, right. Which no, goes no, back to traditions yeah. and just rituals yeah. and just things that you do. It's like, damn, kids just really hit you with stuff as a parent where you're just like, why am I doing this? You know, and then you have to find a way to break it down and, you know, make it a lesson. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, it's a learning, it's a learning process for us. No, but I think with Jackson, though, he's 10, he's be 11. Yeah. I could see him opening up a book, reading a scripture, and then saying, how does this apply to my life? For sure. At 10, he can definitely do that. That right. seems like a, a, very, a more mature way to introduce religion. Mm-hmm. Not that you want to wait till they're 10. Right. But we wait for certain ages to talk to our kids about stuff. Certain we talk to our kids about drugs, alcohol, sex life at a certain age yeah the level of comprehension always uh grows as they right. get older yeah so i feel like that preteen age is a good, age, a good age to start saying yeah. listen your spirituality is your choice you have to figure out right how you're gonna make that choice as opposed to pressuring them and right but here are the them. tools right so godmother christina how appropriate she's jackson's godmother maybe <laughs> you can find an age appropriate book for him that we can start to maybe do little devotionals with him. So that way he can just at least be introduced to it to see, all right, right. this is yeah. something age appropriate he can comprehend. Yeah. This homework you got. I, listen, I'll, <laughs> I, I, take, I take it gladly. Uh, but you know what? I, I also don't want to put the pressure on books, especially the Bible. The Bible can be very over, overwhelming. And it's like you can, you can pick a chapter and it's talking about death, but then you can pick another chapter and it's talking about love and it's just talking about right. you know, all the good things. So it's it's. I feel like it's very hard to kind of just say go into the Bible and and just find your way. I really mm-hmm. believe it's going to be through action. It's going to be how how we treat others and then how we relate that back to God. That's that's going to be the powerful thing because they're looking at us and they're they want to be like us at the end of the day. So if mm-hmm. we're and and we could tell them to do all of these things, but then act the complete opposite, which will confuse them as well too. So. Right. 
It's so a, what do you have to say about people who don't go to church? They say, I don't go to church, but I have my own relationship with God and I live a good life and I'm good to people. Can that be true for you to have a relationship with God and not be in church? Like, is that feasible? And is it, um, does that impact your connection, I guess, or the strength of your connection? I go to church really for the community aspect of it all. Um, I go to be a part of the body of Christ. Um, you don't have to go to church to be a good Christian. I, I don't even know what this good Christian title is that people, <laughs> right. Right. That people put. Right. Um, I feel church is one day a week. I mean, what you go in there and you retain is not going to last you through seven days of just different trials and tribulations that you may go through. So I feel like the church is, is it's just a building. It's just a place where we can commune. It's really what you do every day of your life. It's how are you connecting to God and strengthening your relationship, just as how you guys are married. You work every day to strengthen your relationship. How are you strengthening your relationship with God every day, minus the building? The building is just a plus to me. It's just like mm -hmm. it's this thing that I can go and congregate and, and be with other people and be part of the community and be in the body of Christ. But it's, it's not the end-all, be-all to where I need to go there to feel connected to God, no. One of the men that he used to go to the gym, uh, he was an older man, uh, he was Islamic, that kind of made me really think about spirituality. He said to me, even about church or going to mosque, he said he carries his church with him every day in how he presents himself to people. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that was like very interesting to me because he was just like, I could invite you to my church or my mosque or my synagogue, but you may or may not come. Right. But when you're in my presence in that moment, you're in the presence of my church and my God, and it's my responsibility to share my church experience with you every time I come across people. That goes back to what, hmm. what you said, Christina, in your behavior. Yeah, your interactions, your interaction with people. And what he was saying to me was, you don't have to try to convert people if you carry God with you all the time. God exists in all of us at all times. Right. And it resonated with me. Mm. But he's not Christian. He's Islamic. So to me, it was like, wow, why do these words resonate with me so much? And he does not practice what I grew up practicing, but what he's saying sounds like what I thought church was going to be. Mm. You see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So um, as far as taking people to church or going to church, he says he goes when he can, mm -hmm. but he doesn't go, quote unquote, religiously yeah, yeah. because it hasn't become his tradition. Right. But he carries it and he doesn't mind talking to people or answering questions. Mm -hmm. I even asked him, I was like, are you a pastor? Like, how? And he's just like, no, I'm just a man of God. Mm -hmm. And I was like, man, the, even the humbleness reminded me of like Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because you know, they said Jesus was amongst the thieves, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, the thieves and the whores. He yep. was around everyone. Yep. He didn't hide in some little right. mosque or synagogue or church and say, come seek me. Mm -hmm. He was out. Right. Yep. So I was like, man, that's it's, it's interesting how much of all these different religions kind of cross paths. Right. And that's what made me feel like God can present himself to so many people. Oh, yeah. And just thinking about different ways that God shows himself or just sends out confirmation. Think about we have a quick story about we going out to your rap dinner. Oh, man, that was this moment, Christina. And I've been meaning to tell you about it. We, it we was went like, to a rap dinner, and at the rap dinner for... For Zatima. Zatima. The show coming out soon. Yeah, yeah for out. Zatima. 
we had an impromptu rap dinner because you know because of COVID there was nothing planned. So a couple of the castmates that were still here, we got together, and Pastor John Gray ran into Crystal at the basketball game. Mm-hmm. So him and his wife came. So we had no plans for you know anyone or any clergy to be there. The dinner was supposed to go from a dinner downstairs to the cigar bar. We're supposed to have a party, all this other stuff. It ended up becoming like a devotion mm-hmm. because uh, John Gray prayed over us and pretty much spoke what he saw happening for all of us, right? But that's not even the best part. We were there till about 3 in the morning. Yeah, we were there late. They kept the restaurant open for us. They didn't push us out. It was almost like we were having church in the restaurant. <laughs> we leave. Everybody's gone. Our driver was a little bit late, so we're sitting there waiting. And a homeless guy walks over to us. If I was about to leave to go back inside to the yeah. bathroom, and I laugh, and I was like, don't leave me. This homeless guy is coming <laughs> over here. <laughs> like, don't leave me out here by myself. So, first of all, I, w- I wasn't going to leave him with the homeless <laughs> no, guy. No, I coming. know. She <laughs> told that story as if I saw the homeless guy coming, and I was like, I'm going back No, inside. I'm just that giving did not happen. as to why that, both that of us were still there. <laughs> but let me get back to my story. This homeless guy is coming over to us. And he just walks over to us and he says, something told me to pray over you guys. Oh, wow. Yes. Like, and completely well-spoken. You know, he just seemed like a man that maybe just was on hard times, but was just like, something no, told first me to off, pray. he started the conversation by saying, hey, y'all look nice. And we were mm-hmm. just like, oh, thank you. He was just like, y'all got kids? I was like, yeah, we yeah. Got four boys. And he's like, man, four boys. Wow, wow. Then he leaves mm-hmm. to cross the street mm-hmm. and turns around and comes back. Wow. Yeah. And he was like, can I have like another minute or two of your time? Something told me to pray over y'all. Wow. Um, and Christina, <laughs> this as if we weren't crying inside that already. restaurant. Like my eyes are literally tearing up thinking about it again. Yeah. Right? He literally prayed over our lives, our kids. He prayed for protection. Every, protection. And abundance. Abundance. And uh, clarity. Yes. Yeah. Like that's God. What? So we were, blown, yeah, away we were blown away by the whole thing because I was prepared to just say, "Oh, I was gonna give him a couple dollars or something like right. that." But he blessed us more mm. than mm. we could have ever blessed him. Then he walked away, and I was like, "I don't want to cheapen a moment by giving him something, but I yeah. feel like I should." So we called him back, and we ended up giving him a gift. And um, he didn't even really seem that interested in it, to be honest. Yeah. Like he just came back, and he was like, "Oh, thanks." I appreciate it. Kept it moving. No, we appreciate you, brother. Because if you just know the church we had in there, and then we had the after service out here, I was just like, "Oh my god, what a night that was!" Yeah, it was almost like further confirmation for us that everything that we were doing, the path that we're on, yeah, um, the plans that we have to continue to help people around us, it was just that much more confirmation for us. Yeah, it was just crazy that moment. And I think that's wow. That's how God shows up, right? And and you know, just you saying that story, like I have stories on top of stories like that, that where God has shown his face like that to me for me not to, I can't believe anything otherwise. So that's how, right. it, that's how it happens for me. And I think for us to get away from the religion of it and look at the relationship aspect of it, you're only going to be in relationship with someone that you truly love and adore. You're not going to yeah. want to be in a relationship with someone that you fear and that it just makes you feel judgmental yeah, and, and just like not your best. So hearing that outpouring that God is finding all of these different channels to talk to you guys and just show you so much love 
for me, that's what I connect to to say, that's what I want more of. I want more of that God right. that's going to tell me I'm doing right. great. And not to say that he doesn't tell me when I'm on the wrong path, but it's never in a judgmental way to tell me, like, Christina, like, you're going to hell. No, it's yeah. just like a course correction. Get on. There's grace on that. And, like, let's, let's fix it and let's move forward. But I still love you. And that's what I'm attracted to. And we love you, Christina. <laughs> Saved by choice CP. by Christina hey. Price. A journey out of religion and into a relationship with Jesus. So where can it, we find you, Christina? Where can we find the book? Tell everybody all your handles and all that good stuff. Yep, I am on Instagram and Facebook at Christina Price. And the book is available on Amazon. So it's available on paperback, Audible, which I actually narrated, and ebook form. So available. I could listen to your voice all day, to be honest. <laughs> I'm like, I gotta listen That's to this audible up. version, too. Well, thank you so much for thank your you. time. We appreciate you. Um, yes, yeah, We appreciate your story. And we're hoping that someone found a takeaway in this. I know I always do every time we talk because we have our talks. Um, but we love you. We appreciate you. And thank you so much for joining us today. All right. We're going to take a quick break and get into some ads and then get into these listener letters. Yeah. We'll be right back. All right, ladies, let's be real. Who here actually enjoys shaving their legs? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought so. And get this, Nier, yes, Nier, the OG that I used for years, has now leveled up. And they have these new sensational shower creams and body creams that smell amazing. My personal favorite, coconut oil and vitamin E because it's gentle on my skin. And down to the body cream, rich cocoa butter and vitamin E body cream, which is a modern take on indulgent and classic femininity. Okay? It works in as little as three minutes, no nicks, no cuts, and the smooth skin lasts days longer than shaving. Nair's new sensational shower and body creams are free of all those nasty chemicals so you can feel good about what you're putting on your skin. Have a me-time moment with Nair, the number one hair removal brand. Smell for yourself. Try the reformulated Nair body and shower creams available at retailers nationwide and online. There's power in every purchase because every time we buy a black-led brand, we make room for another black-led brand. And y'all know I love my lip bar products. That's just one to name a few. There is a whole collection of black-led products that fit into your daily routine. Show Black Founders some love, not just during Black History Month, but all year long. That's right, y'all. Black Founders and the products they bring to the table are creating a whole new world of choices at Walmart. That's right. Go to walmart.com slash black and unlimited to discover all the amazing Black-owned products you can add to your daily routine. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots as I sit down with inspiring women like Misty Copeland, Brooke Shields, Vanessa Hudgens, and so many more. We dive into how these women made their pivot and their mindset shifts that happened as a result. It's a podcast about women, their stories, and how their pivot became their success. 
Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, and me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. Thank you for taking the light, and you're going to shine it all over the world, and it makes me really happy. I never imagined that I would get the chance to carry this honor and help be a part of this legacy. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. All right, so we're back. We're back. I wonder what these listening letters are going to be. Are they going to be a little bit more religi- religious or saved listening <laughs> letters? Because let's see if the listening letters are saved some or not. Of the stuff in these listening letters be wow. Yeah, yeah, I'll be wilding. I'll be having these stories, but I love it though. You want to go first? You want me to go first? Um, all right, I'll go. Okay. My older sister just got engaged to her boo of five years. I've been more than happy for them and their union. I'm one of four girls, so when they started dating, I was super excited to have a quote-unquote brother in the family and potentially a close relationship. Hmm. I soon realized that that will not be the case. Ooh, drama. <laughs> Look at you, excited. Look at <laughs> the you. plot twist. Um, although I think he's a great person for her and they make a great team, I do wish he valued having a genuine relationship with myself and my sisters. Another part of this dynamic is that I live with them. Oh. When I graduated from nursing school, they just bought a house and asked me to move in as one of their tenants. I agreed, although my gut told me that I, it was time for me to have my own space. Living with them has been an extreme reminder that my gut was absolutely right. It has gotten to the point where he does not even reply when being spoken to by myself or by my other sisters. I've thought about telling my sister who's engaged to him and how he lacks respect for her siblings, but always asks my, always talk myself out of it. It's sad to say, but I don't think that she would Take my feelings about to think that these. Oh my God! Sorry, y'all. You be struggling. I be struggling sometimes this time around. Sleep deprivation is real. Um, It's sad to say, but I don't think that she would think my feelings about this are valid and would find some way to wholeheartedly defend his actions. Have either of you dealt with conflict with your other spouse's siblings? If so, how do you resolve it? And how do you wish? And do you wish that you were closer to your spouse's siblings? I don't know if we can get much closer to our spouse's siblings because we've all been pretty close. For the yeah, most we all part. pretty close. We've yeah, all, we all I mean, do close. you like everything that your siblings or your spouse's siblings do all the no. time? No, because no. they're human beings, um, and there's conversations that I have to have with my siblings that I don't necessarily want to have. <laughs> and same thing with you. I'm just being honest though. Like her story is like you know, I just moved in there and he just stopped talking to me. I'm pretty sure there's stuff more happens that happen in between yeah. that she's not sharing. So it's hard for me to even give her mm-hmm. advice, specific advice, specific advice. Yeah. I don't know what sparked him not talking to her. Right. I doubt, which could be the case. I could be wrong. Someone says, hey, why don't you move in and be our tenant so I can ignore you? <laughs> but I doubt that that's what happened. I'm pretty sure there were other things. For example. Right. And there's four sisters. It's like, mm, I'm pretty sure they nosy. Like. I'm pretty sure they nosy and probably be in their business. Possibly. And he probably like, I don't got time to be dealing with mm-hmm. what your sisters think about our marriage. Because a lot of times it happens. That's you know, true. That's true. Um, and maybe he's so, ignoring the, her because you need to just. The further question can be, are you at what capacity are you involved in their marriage? Right. Potentially. Um, you know, what does that look like? Because right. right. if he really didn't like her, he wouldn't ask her to be a tenant. Right. Like they bought a house. He could have got a tenant. Right. Somebody. But. And then sometimes just living with people in close quarters. Absolutely. <laughs> Baby girl, that can totally make things. Absolutely. 
Harry. I wish she would have just gave us a little bit more context. So yeah. Give her like, an answer. did y'all have any kind of, yeah. you know, not altercations, but any miscommunication, yeah, any, but, you know, listen, debates and arguments? You you have issues, right? Like, me and Kay's brother don't always get along. Mm-hmm. We don't agree on philosophies of life all the time. Mm-hmm. So what do we do? We sit down and talk about it. Like, yeah. we've known each other since I was 18. He was 15. Mm-hmm. So he's like my little brother. Yeah. So, you know, we there's some times where we, you know, get in fights and arguments. And you, know, you do is talk about it. And Cage would be like, listen, y'all are men. Yes. Y'all deal with that. The dynamic is different because we're both men. Both men, right. It'd be different. But even with Sakari, Sakari and I have had our differences. And mm-hmm. we've sat down and just talked about our differences. Yeah. Like, and I, was, I didn't like when you did this. I didn't yeah. like when you did that. It's like, all right, well. And there's definitely, like, a level of respect that my sister has for you. Mm-hmm. So when you do talk to her like brother and sister, right. um I think she listens and she takes into account the way you feel or what you may be saying. Right. Um so yeah, we need more context sis, but yeah. um <laughs> and they've been together for 5 years. It's a little bit different with us. We've been together for almost 20 years. Yeah. So I've watched your brother and sister yeah. actually grow up into to be people. Like Sakari was 7 when I came around. Right. So at this point, the vast majority of her life she's known me. Mhm. You know, five years in the course of a relationship or life is really not that long. Right. It seems long because I like, go oh, a half a decade. Mm-hmm. But when you think about how long life is, five years is not that long. Right. And I yeah. am just not a proponent for being uncomfortable in your living space. So if that's not working out for you, maybe you need to move and go True. find your own space. You know what True. I'm saying? You know, you yeah. may be helping them out by being a tenant. So you know it's what? helping with that. But that's that, nothing's that, really holding you there. Really, I think that's the best. To be honest. I really do think that's the best. Sometimes advice. that space is needed to then yeah. salvage. Because your brother lived with us. Mm-hmm. And he used to get on your nerves more than he got on my nerves. <laughs> right. But I guess that's also us being men. Right. You know, we have our yeah. own way of doing things that could even just like, ah. Yeah. I but was um, like, yeah. you know, cleaning up after men and whatnot. I'm like, you a grown ass <laughs> man, your damn self. <laughs> sometimes space, sometimes space is the best thing for a relationship. Yes. You know, they're they're not intimate partners. Mm-hmm. You know, first of all, a tenant landlord relationship can be contentious. For any two people. For strangers. L- yeah, let alone yeah. it be your sister-in-law or your right. brother-in-law. So that's a tough one. So I think right. I think maybe you should get your own space and, and maybe try to have that conversation. Just sit down and have an open, honest conversation. Maybe with him, if he does not want to talk to you by himself, mm-hmm. talk to your sister about it and talk to him. Mm-hmm. But um, your, your feelings are valid. Right. This is one thing Kadena and I talked about yesterday. No one can tell you the way you feel is not valid. If someone has done something to you to make you feel a way, mm-hmm. you didn't ask to feel this way. Right. You feel this way. Stand in that. So talk yep. about it. Talk about now why you feel this way may have little to do with that person. It could be some other triggers or some past trauma. But mm-hmm. the fact that you feel that way is always valid. So never let anyone tell you that you're not valid for feeling that way. That's right. And and one more thing. The relationship you have with your sister, if y'all are close, you should be able to have that conversation with your sister. Absolutely. Without necessarily her just running to his defense, especially if your argument is valid. So right. let's hope that she's of level mind <laughs> to see both sides and you guys take it from there. So good luck to you on that one. Number two. Hey, Kadena DeVal, my boyfriend and I have been together for almost four years. We just started doing long distance. That's tough. He just graduated undergrad and I'm now, and is now a chiropractor uh, is now in chiropractic school while I'm still finishing my undergraduate degree. Up until last month, we would call every night or every other night and text occasionally. He used to surprise me with weekend trips down here, and if I didn't have games, I would visit him as well. Recently, he started flaking on promises when coming to visit me, 
and has now asked for some space. Wow. Mm. He says he still wants to be with me and doesn't see himself with anyone else, but he just wants to be able to focus on school and his job. Wow. Mm. <laughs> Part of me <laughs> believes him and wants to be supportive uh, supportive of his asking for space while the other part of me is crumbling thinking he's just going to leave i don't mm. know what to do yeah so it's like you you already got distance but now you want more space on the distance mm. Damn. you talk about red flags that sound like a red yeah, flag yeah it do me. sound like a red flag listen that sound like a red flag i ain't even gonna lie to you okay i ain't gonna lie to you if someone is far away asking for space <laughs> That's yeah. like the the prequel, yes, to a breakup. Yes, am I wrong for that? No. How you far away asking for space? But more space on time. So you can't. We can't call, text, FaceTime regularly. I mean, baby girl. I think he's either I'm not trying to judge, found somebody else, mm-hmm. or would like or what? Well, yeah. Explore options. Or or he doesn't like the fact that y'all already have space and it's making him uncomfortable. So mm-hmm. he has to find something that works for him. Mm-hmm. I honestly feel like that's what it is. I wouldn't, yeah. you know, don't you don't got to listen to us. Yeah. But I would say be direct and asking them, hey, what's going on here? Yeah. We already have distance. How could you want more, more space distance. from distance? <laughs> you know right. what I'm saying? That's the part that has me a little uh, kerplunked. You kerplunked? You kerplunked? <laughs> you flabbergasted. <laughs> flabbergasted. Yeah, because I know, like, for example, when we did the long distance thing, Back it was in surprise trips every other weekend. Six and seven. Yes, he was in Detroit. I was in New York. And any chance I got to be able to be in Detroit, mm-hmm. I was there. And there was no FaceTime. So we was on the phone Yeah, every day. Every day. There was no maybe someday, every other day. No. Let me tell you, no. Every day. And so if I didn't like, get that phone call from her, when I got out of practice at 630, if my phone didn't ring or I didn't have a missed call or a text from her, I was like, yo, yo, yo. Where you at, though? What's happening here? What he used to also make me do is like, yo, I want to see you. I want to see you. I'm like, how can you see me? I used to have my little actual digital camera. <laughs> I used to have now. to take pictures on my camera. Then I used to have to put the memory card in my laptop, upload the photos to my laptop, <laughs> then attach them, join in an email, and email his ass pictures of me. So I got like a whole bunch of pictures. There's trappy like, pictures. Uh, panties and heels. And <laughs> oh, Lord. All sorts of stuff. We're going to have to scrub our devices because there's she like had, shit floating around in the abyss that. Facts. You know. You had a bunch of boudoir shoots like every <laughs> day while I was playing ball. Practicing <laughs> while he was at practice. But I had to do what I had to do because that's what he was asking for. Yeah. And we missed each other. Like, so that distance with additional distance. No, that wasn't uh, happening. That's a red That flag. sounds like a flag, baby. Yeah. All right, y'all. If you want to be featured as a listener letter, uh, be sure to email us. Don't be DMing us. Don't be putting it in the comments, y'all. <laughs> email us at deadassadvice at gmail.com. That's D-E-A-D-A-D-V-I-C-E at gmail.com. All right. Time for the moment of truth. You want to go first or something? Let me go first. Moment of truth. Um, I think based on our conversation, because sometimes the listener letters get me all out of what we were talking about. Um. But the task at hand, going back to our conversation with Christina and um, the being saved by choice and her whole journey, um, it just further lets me know that I sometimes look for reasons to talk myself out of getting in the Bible or finding my relationship or a deeper connection with God. But I feel like he sends me messages and people just throughout life Mm. that I need to be more in tune with. 
And instead of me searching for something more tangible, realizing that he may be sending me those messages through people and through instances and through circumstances where in that sense, I need to be more obedient in that moment and build a stronger relationship with him. If that makes sense. That makes sense. Because that's something that I notice that I do, um, that I have the resources and I have those moments where I'm like, but "Hmm." you run from, and it's not even running from them, but it's more so investing the time Mm -hmm. to do that. Because then I feel like I can be a greater resource to my family and to my children. If I do strengthen my own connection. Absolutely. With God. Absolutely. That's my moment of truth. That's a good one. I, you know what I, I, I got today too, is that you don't do story time. Cause if you did story time, you would add homeless people chasing after us and I would be running away oh from you. Oh my goodness, Deval. This is why Kadeem so doesn't do story time. That really time. bothered you, huh? Yo, I'm a, I am a grown, protective man Deval. husband. Nobody and you got people here thinking that. that. <laughs> Deval saw this homeless guy and he was going to go back inside. And I was like, don't leave me out here with this homeless guy. I was coming. giving detail. And I think everyone who knows us knows that that is not something that you would ever do. I saw the homeless guy before you did. Okay. So I definitely fair to say away. i know fair to say so just to let y'all know when your wife tells a story <laughs> she's gonna have you looking aloof out here like you ain't a thug in these streets you feel me <laughs> all right now Touché. let me get to my Touché. moment of truth yeah <clears throat> mm-hmm. but my moment of truth is about this homeless man it is about uh the older gentleman that worked at the gym i don't know why his name is oh Raphael. You oh, remember yes. Raphael? yes 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 um church is a building but you carry your church with you or your mosque with you or your synagogue with you and how you approach people every single day. Mm -hmm. And you have a responsibility as a man or woman of God to continuously represent what your religious beliefs mean to you Mm -hmm. and how you interact with people. Mm -hmm. That's the best way to be an evangelist is to just live and exist in that space continuously Mm -hmm. and hold yourself accountable with how you treat people Mm -hmm. because how you treat people will reflect on your beliefs and your spirituality. I love that. Because that circles back to my moment of truth where if you are encountering people like a Raphael Mm -hmm. or like a Christina on a day-to-day basis, that may be the message that you need that God's sending you to say, hey, I'm seeking you. Absolutely. Seek me. Mm -hmm. All right now. Absolutely. All right now. (laughs) And be sure to follow us, guys, on social media. The podcast page, of course, is deadass.com the podcast on instagram and you can find me kadeen i am and i am devout and if you're listening on apple Podcasts, be sure to rate review and subscribe that ass y'all that ass that ass is a production of iheart media podcast network and is produced by denora pena and tribble follow the podcast on social media at dead ass the podcast and never miss a thing This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It's a simple truth. No matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you, and how you manage them can make all the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that meets them where they are and helps them get through. BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible, simple to use, and more affordable than in-person therapy. Connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you. Learn more at BetterHelp.com. That's BetterHelp.com. It's time to celebrate Black History Month at the Walmart Black and Unlimited Clock. One at Flatiron Plaza in New York City and one at Ovation Hollywood in Los Angeles from 8 a.m. 
to 8 p.m. With giveaways dropping every hour on the hour, it's a perfect time to try, like, and share black-led products. It's free for everyone, and it's your chance to see how you can level up your daily routine with black-led products that are creating a new world of choices at Walmart. Trust, you don't want to miss it.